Today we're talking about intersecting faith. And that sounds like a strange title, and it's kind of strange to me. And I don't know if it's a perfect title, but I'm sure we've all looked at these stories before, the woman with the issue of blood, as well as the rule of the synagogue, Jairus. But as the Lord had me reviewing this passage this week, he had me look at it from another angle and how the faith of these people intersected with each other. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'll explain that as we go. It's a long reading. We're going to read Mark chapter 5, 21 through 43, so you can see the fullness of the story. Because I think a lot of times we looked at one or the other, but today we're looking at the two of them. Amen? Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel was not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put all, them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commandeth that something should be given her to eat. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank and praise you, Lord for the opportunity once again to partake of your word. And we ask you, Father, to feed, to nourish, to guide each one of us through your word, to w give us wisdom, to heal us, to deliver us, to give us uh, encouragement, Father, and empowerment through your word. We praise you, Father, that even now, as it would come into our ears, it would fall onto good ground, it would root itself deep, 
that it would go down not only into our minds but into our heart and our emotions and it would uh, control and govern all the perceptions of our lives as we would go forth on a daily basis. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory, Father, that whether we need it now or we need it in the future, it will come back at the appropriate time, the appropriate time either to minister to us in time of need or to enable us to minister to somebody else that might be going through trials and tribulations. And we just praise you, Father, that it would do its perfect work, that it would have supernatural power to change lives, to bring forth salvation, deliverance, comfort, healing, and edification. And we thank you, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we see here a story. <laughs> Jairus, the ruler, one of the rulers of the synagogue, and he comes to Jesus Christ. And one of the things you have to realize about being somebody who's a ruler of the synagogue is that these were some of the main people that were opposing Jesus Christ and his ministry on a daily basis because they were walking around in fine robes. They were people that were at the peak, you know, of religious favor and attention and um, submission as, as people looked at them in the community. They walked around with the fine garbs on. People respected them. They could kind of do and say what they wanted, and people had to tolerate it. And when people came into the tabernacle or the synagogue, they were the people that sat in the high places and were given the greatest level of respect. So here we see Jairus, one of the people that is not at a lower level, but one of the rules of the synagogue. And he basically has to step outside of his comfort zone to come to this very Jesus that a lot of them saw as a heretic, as a renegade, as a troublemaker, somebody that had the character of God that was contrary to them. You know, he walked around in humility. He didn't have the fine clothes on. He was basically the opposite of what they were in a lot of ways. For, so for him to come to Jesus on this given day and fall down at, at his knees and humble himself and say, help me here, I'm in a situation of desperation, heal my daughter, is an incredible act of humility, amen? Because you have to realize that by him doing this, and pleading for the life of his daughter, the healing of her and her body, this was not only an act of desperation, but this was an act that could get him disciplined, ostracized, or even excommunicated from the very group that he was there to represent. Amen? And one of the things that caught me in this passage of Scripture is that you also see, and I think it was in the book of Luke, and it was portrayed a different way. But when I read it here in the book of Mark, I noticed something that was very unique as it relates to the woman with the issue of blood. Because Jairus in the book of Luke basically says, come and heal my daughter. But we see here in this story, he says, come to my home, lay hands on her. And heal my daughter. So he says something specific. I need you to come and I need you to touch this, my daughter, and heal her of her plague. Now, as we see in our story, Jesus didn't give him a hard time. He said, oh, you want those rules? How do you have the nerve to come to me? Jesus immediately responded and said, I want to do it. Let's be on our way. And as they were heading there to the home, being surrounded by thousands and thousands of people, people were bumping Jesus on every side touching him, and all of a sudden, Jesus, who is heading to the home of Jairus, stops and says, who touched my clothes? Amen? Who touched me? 
the disciples themselves were looking at the situation and saying, like, what are you talking about? You're being bumped on every side. There's a crowd here. You've got to step to the side of this person. Excuse me with that person. Why in the world are you worrying about somebody to touch me? But Jesus Christ knew that somebody had touched him for a specific reason, and that reason being to get healing from him. Amen? And as we see in this story, the woman had the mindset that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And when she interacted with Jesus, when he, she touched his garment, amen, she got the very thing that she's desired out of him in that situation. So we see similar faith. Jairus is believing Jesus for healing. We see the woman with the issue of blood. I'm believing Jesus Christ for healing. And when you look at from the book of Mark, the avenue or the methodology or the means in which healing was administered was through the touch. Amen. In Jairus' situation, come lay hands on my daughter. In the woman with the issues of blood's situation, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, both of them were seeking a touch from Jesus. Amen. And as we see here, Jesus promised Jairus that he was going to give him exactly what he wanted. But the issue we see here today as it relates to intersecting faith is, what do you do when you're praying and believing God for something? You come the same way. We see that the woman with the issue of blood, after she got healed, fell down at the feet of Jesus and humbled herself. We see before that that Jairus didn't come in with the fine garbs and say, hey, look, I'm a rule of the synagogue. You've got to do me a favor. No, he fell down at Jesus' feet and humbled himself, so he was doing the very act of submission. So we see two people with the same faith. We see two people with the same level of humility before Jesus, one before the healing, the other after the healing, but they basically both had the same mindset, the same approach. They were asking Jesus Christ for the same exact thing, but we see here that the woman with the issue of blood basically butted in line. <laughs> same faith, same humility, same response from Jesus Christ, compassion, mercy, I'll do it. But the man Jairus ended up in second place. So what do you do when you're trusting Jesus Christ for a miracle and you see somebody cut in line? <laughs> what do you do? Now he's promised you something. You're on the way to your house. And the throng is already blocking you from your path to get there. And this woman has a nerve to come out butt in line and here's the thing, not only did she get the healing she wanted, but the very thing you asked Jesus to do, touch my daughter, she stole the touch. How do you handle it? <laughs> How do you handle it when you end up in second place, even after Jesus says, I'm going to give you your breakthrough? Amen. How do you perceive it? <laughs> I mean, we look at Jairus. He ignored his religious position. He humbled himself took a chance on being ostracized, excommunicated. And this woman has the nerve, like I said, to butt in and take the very healing that Jesus Christ was asking for. I mean, that he was asking for through Jesus Christ. And one of the things that came to mind to me is the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 27 through 30. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me 
in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So one of the things we see here is that we have to be in a place that even if we're asking God for something, and it seems like everybody around us is getting blessed first, instead of us wondering, why am I continually moved to the bottom of the toilet pole? Or why is it that I asked for this before this person did, and they got the nerve to come in and get it first? Instead of us looking at them and saying, God, how can you do that and bless them first? Maybe we got to look at it and say, here we see a promise from Jesus Christ. Amen? He says, everybody... That sacrifices. Everybody that trusts me, everybody that believes in me as Lord and Savior shall receive a hundredfold. See, a hundredfold is still coming. But what you have to realize is that even though your hundredfold is coming, whatever blessing or breakthrough or healing you need, it may come, but just because you asked for it before somebody else did, and you may have prayed years and years and years before somebody else that comes in for five minutes of praise and they get the immediate breakthrough, realize that it's not when the breakthroughs through comes through instead is that Jesus is not on our time frame. Amen. We see here it says many that are first shall be last. So you might pray at first, but you might get it last. But it doesn't take away from the level of the blessing that God is going to bring into your life when it comes forth. Amen. Holly, it's still going to be as powerful. It's still going to do exactly what it needs to do. It just might not come in in the time frame you need. And matter of fact, if you really look at this story, the thing I like about it is that Jairus asked for it first. The one with the issue of blood stepped in and delayed the process, but the breakthrough that came through was even greater than what he initially had asked for. Amen? He asked Jesus, heal my daughter. He raised her from the dead. <laughs> so sometimes the delay, even though we may not like it, we may not understand it, we might ask God, why did you get busy with somebody else? Why did you allow somebody to un- interrupt you as you were on the way to give me my breakthrough? Sometimes we got to look at it instead and say, okay, maybe he seems to be focused elsewhere. Maybe he seems to be preoccupied or busy. But the reality is, whenever he gets to me, he's going to still come through. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> that word first in this passage of Scripture means foremost amen and the last means at the latter end the lowest we see here in this story that it seemed that Jairus the ruler of the synagogue was more preeminent he should have been the foremost but we see here that thank God Jesus Christ is not a respecter of persons nor is he governed by our time frame our you know place in line when you prayed it how fervently you prayed it whether you have a greater understanding of the word of God or that person, amen, he's not governed by all our little attributes that we might associate with the blessing we're seeking him for. And as we see here, even when we're doing it right, and that's the thing, I think sometimes we believe that we haven't received the breakthrough yet because we haven't done something right. We see here that Jairus actually did everything the right way to the point that he could have got himself in trouble. I mean, this man is a ruler of the synagogue in robes. Imagine, he's coming in to a guy who's dressed probably like a shepherd, probably got dirty, 
clothes from walking from town to town, has his raggedy-looking entourage around him, when this guy is associated with all, all this fine garb and sitting in the best place in line, and he literally comes up and throws himself like a beggar at Jesus' feet, asking for something. And then Jesus has the nerve to say, I'll give it to you, but oh, wait a second, got to go talk to this woman. <laughs> so it seemed from the earthly perspective that not only should he have been first because he asked for it first, but he really should have been first as we look at it from a fleshly perspective because he was more predominant or more known and recognized as an individual. But thank God, like I said, Jesus Christ is not governed by those things. He still may give us the blessing we need, but it may not necessarily come according to the timing that we expect. So having a certain station in life, accomplishing various things in life, whether it's in the kingdom of God, God bless you, or outside the kingdom of God, or being positioned first when you ask for something, doesn't mean that you'll necessarily achieve your desires from God when you desire them. And you may still get them. That's a point we really need to know today. You may still get the desires of your heart before God, but it may not just come in the timing that you need. As I said, Jairus was accustomed to receiving a certain level of respect and devotion from the people of that town. And as I look at this, I don't really think it was Jairus who needed a lesson in humility with Jesus stopping to talk to somebody and said, well, who does he think he is stopping? He's supposed to be helping me. I don't think Jairus needed to learn that lesson because he had already fallen down at Jesus' feet and humbled himself, amen? Basically humiliated himself before the crowd because all the people were looking on. So I don't think the lesson was for him in the delay. Instead, I think it was more or less for all the people that were looking, amen? All the people seeing Jesus Christ going through the throng because the expectation of everybody at the time would have been that, hey, if somebody is so important comes to you and asks for something, you're not going to stop or hesitate until you fulfill the desire of that person's heart. So I think it was more for the crowd to see that Jesus is not a respecter of persons. And this is something that we can all learn today as well. Amen. And like I said, it doesn't mean that Jesus Christ loves us any less. It doesn't mean that you failed in the way in which you've approached God or, or sought him or the way in which you made your prayer request. You didn't pray it wrong. You didn't do this wrong. You didn't do that wrong. It might just be that God has something that he wants to produce out of a situation where he says, I'm going to get to it. But instead of you giving, me giving you the smaller thing that you're asking for, I either realize that you have something greater that you need that I want to bring out of this or you don't even realize what you're asking for, and you're asking for a healing, I'm going to bring the situation out of death. Amen? Hallelujah. So sometimes we don't even know the proper timing or even the perfect thing that we need to ask for. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, like I said, how do we feel when the promise of God seems to be interrupted or if Jesus seems to be busy elsewhere? Think about Jairus once again. Jesus is going through the crowd. And Jesus could have just said, okay, she touched me, she got healed, keep it moving. But here we have Jairus probably looking at the situation. I asked him to lay hands on my daughter and through the touch heal her from this plague. Now this woman done touched him. I don't know, like, hey, does he just have one touch available per day? 
And did he soak all the healing out? Did she soak all the healing out of him so that now it costs me the miracle that I'm seeking out of him today? What is the price of this? And here he is not only just healing her, but why couldn't she just touch him and she gets healed and Jesus keeps it moving? Why does he have to stop and engage her in conversation and further delay the process? Sometimes we just don't understand these things. You know, so how do we feel sometimes when we're praying and we're, we're believing God for something? We're anticipating something. We see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough possibly going on in the lives of others. How do we feel when we're there in this waiting process knowing that God's going to do it, but maybe he's done something in somebody else's life and like, does he still have enough left over for me? How do we feel when the promises of God are still pending? Let's look at the book of Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. It says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that, after you have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them which draw back unto perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. Since here, cast not away your confidence. That means two things. It means, first of all, don't throw away your confidence. Another thing it says, don't allow yourself to lose your confidence. If you have confidence in God, you're believing him for some promise, some breakthrough, some miracle in your life or in the life of the people that you're praying for. He is warning us here, like, don't allow things to come into your life that will drain you of your confidence or your faith in what God is about to do. Matter of fact, he says that if you hold on to your confidence, it has great recompense of reward. That means repayment for your faith. Do you realize that you're investing something when you're believing God and you're trusting him despite the circumstances of what you see? There is a repayment that is coming from God. Not that God owes you anything. He's just basically saying if you invest your faith, your energy, your devotion into me, amen, there are great heavenly dividends in terms of what he's going to do in your lives. And he goes further and says, for you have need of patience after you've done the will of God. Sometimes we think, Oh, I've done the will of God, so I should see the manifestation of what I just did right now. But it doesn't say that here. It says, after you've done the will of God, you need to have patience. Why? That you might receive the promise. So even though you've done everything according to Scripture, you prayed it right, you did it right, you were right on point, chapter and verse, God still says there might be times where you still have to have patience before you see the manifestation of the things that you're praying for but the thing is no matter how long we may think this waiting process is according to him is just a little while <laughs> he says here is a little while and even goes on and says and he will not tarry so from Jairus's perspective as Jesus is walking to the through the crowd and he pauses after the woman with the issue of blood touches him, and then he has time to talk to her and engage in conversation, according to an earthly perspective, you might say that Jesus was tarrying there. After all, he's engaged in conversation. We were on the path going somewhere. He stops. Dude, let's keep it moving. 
But we see here that he is patient enough and he's conversing with her and probably gives her a hug, encourages her and daughter, be made, you're made well, you're, you're whole now in your body, enjoy your healing. And he's just probably smiling and they're praising God. And Jairus is sitting there like, <coughs> keep, it, keep it moving. <laughs> My daughter. Amen. <laughs> But sometimes, even though things might seem to be delayed with us, according to the perspective of God, he says that I'm not tarrying. In other words, I'm not holding you captive. I'm not keeping you waiting, and I am not late. So it is not Jesus Christ who needs to pick up the pace and hurry up. Instead, we need to develop patience and realize that whatever timing that he has in terms of interacting with our situation He's going to do it, and it is the right time. Amen? He's not late. He's not lollygagging. He is not uh, on a certain people's time. But he is on the right time. So it says here in verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. That phrase, draw back, in the Greek means to withhold out of sight. So is your confidence being withheld is out of sight where nobody can see it? It also talks about being concealed or reserved. Are you reserved about your confidence in God? Do you only say, hey, I'll proclaim and boast in the promises of God and the goodness of Jesus when it seems clear that I'm going to get my breakthrough? Or are you able to, even in the holding pattern, in the waiting process, say, God's still going to give me the victory even though... It might be three months down the, down the pike or a year or whatever it may be. I'm going to continue to trust him. And then finally, drawback means to cower or shrink. Does the situation, the waiting process, make you shrivel up and cower in fear because of what the enemy's doing? Or do you do what it says here? Don't let yourself lose your confidence and stay in the, the, the faith lane knowing that there's a great reward for whatever time in which you have to wait if you continue to boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ is going to come through. So after we've done the will of God, are we concerned about receiving the promises? You know, are we in a place where we're saying deep down that maybe he's not going to come through? Or is it possible that sometimes there's some form of compromise within us that is causing us to draw back? Those are some of the things that we may have to examine. But the reality is, according to the Word of God, he says that he is not late. He is not tarrying. He is not slacking. Amen? He is on his schedule. He's on his time clock. And like I said, he is always on time with everything that he needs to do. Now, um, talking about time... One of the things the Lord brought to my attention is the book of Isaiah, chapter 49. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 15. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth. To them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. 
For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, these shall come from far and low, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted his people, and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suck, sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Praise the Lord. All right, so um, here we see that according to time, Jesus Christ is saying that in an accepted time, I have what? I have heard thee. And in the day of salvation, have I helped thee? Sometimes we're praying and believing God. Like I said, sometimes we're going through trials and tribulations. We're praying. Other people are praying and believing God for things. And it seems like the manifestations of God's breakthroughs are going forth over here or over there. Or why am I always in this holding pattern? It seems like nothing is ever coming forth. But we see here that according to God's perspective, he says, in an acceptable time, have I heard you? Amen. And in a day of salvation, have I helped thee? We may not know the time or season of our breakthrough, but he's saying that, first of all, there's an accepted time where I'm hearing your prayer and I'm responding to them. And in the day of salvation, I am going to help you. There is a day associated with one, when God's going to give you your breakthrough. Amen? And you may not know it. We may not sometimes like it. But God has a game plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what the timing needs to be. And majority of time, not only in the word of God, but in our lives, when we see that God has come through, almost every time you go look around and say, hey, I didn't understand the waiting process beforehand, but now that I see God's victory or my breakthrough in the situation, it makes perfect sense why I had to go through all that and I had to wait so long. Amen? We just don't like the process of waiting. But when we see what God has done, and when you look at it, a lot of times, we think that we're only facing one situation, one crisis, and, you know, why can't you just deal with that? A lot of times you see that after God gives you your breakthrough, there was so much more behind the scenes that may have been hidden that you couldn't even account for. And when he gives you your breakthrough, all this stuff gets exposed. You're like, whoa, I didn't even know I was dealing with a lot of stuff. Amen? So that's so important that God gives us the breakthrough. Amen? Hallelujah. And that he does it according to his timing. We see here that he's a God that says, I have heard thee, I have helped thee, and I will preserve thee. Amen? He is promising to do these things. He even goes further and compares it to a woman with her child. And he says, basically, can a woman hearing her baby crying ignore it when it's hungry? Amen? And unfortunately, we know there's cases, uh, I guess throughout all time here, <laughs> yay, they may forget. I guess he's saying even back then, you had some unfit mothers that could find it in their heart to say, no, I'm not going to feed that child. I'll let the child starve. I mean, you had whole systems, the Spartans, that if a baby was sickly or weak, they would throw it over a cliff. So God's saying that, hey, there are people that will abandon or not care for their children, but he's basically saying, it's incapable for, uh, of me to do that. 
I am incapable of ignoring my child that is crying out for me for some kind of need. So like I said, we may not see it right now, but God is hearing us. Amen. He's not ignoring us. He is incapable of forgetting us and not preserving us and keeping his promises. Amen. Hallelujah. God is always going to do it. So we may see, like the story of Jairus, that it may seem that, that the Lord is being delayed. He's being preoccupied. He's being pulled away. Somebody else has grabbed his attention or made him busy. But the reality is, he knows the perfect time. And that really gets us to our next point. Amen? We think that we know the timing of God. Let's look at Psalm 31, 15 and 16. We'll, we'll see about the times of various situations. Psalm 31, 15 through 16. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. This is really showing, you know, a lot of times we think the timing of God is in our hand and he needs to do it when we see fit. We see here that instead it should be the other way. It's not, God, that your time needs to be according to my schedule. Instead, we should have the mindset that my times and what I need need to be subject to you. It's the other way around. I yield my mindset regarding the process over to you. I ask you still, in the midst of my trials and tribulations and my warfare, to deliver me from my enemies in the hand of those that persecute you. However... I'm asking you just to shine your face upon me and I relinquish my cosmic time clock into your hand and you're the one that can figure out when all this stuff needs to be done. Amen? And the thing is, the whole time, he's going to do that anyway. (laughs) So the best thing we could do for ourselves is say, God, instead of me trying to figure out when everything needs to be done, Instead of me looking at the situations of other people and what's going on with them and how they're being blessed and they're profiting here and this one's being exalted there. Instead of us trying to figure out and even compare ourselves to other people, instead we need to say, hey, God, whatever that perfect timing is for me, I relinquish it unto you. You're wise. You're all powerful. You're omnipresent. You're omniscient. I yield it over to you. You work it all out and I'll just learn to line myself up with your clock. Amen. Line ourselves with him. And in the meantime, shine your face upon me. Let me feel your presence in the midst of all this stuff I'm going through. Shine your light on me, Lord. Shine your face upon me. Amen. So we need to come to realization that God's blessings, like I said, are not subject to our timing. Instead, it is the other way around, and we must get our understanding in proper aligning with his timing through the subjection uh, of his word and the Holy Spirit to give us comfort as we await. Now, as we look at Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood, we see here that he went to Jesus. He humbled himself to, by falling at his feet and said, please, please help me. My daughter is dying. Can you come lay hands on her and touch her? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll do it. Then he moves. He doesn't wait. He goes immediately to heading towards his house. Only he gets delayed by the woman with the issue of blood. So it seems like he's interrupted, delayed, maybe even the healing was stolen by somebody else. And then we hear news of the negative report. Don't waste the master's time anymore. She died. Party's over. End of story. You're too late. But we see here that Jesus Christ is so great 
and so personal and so loving and so compassionate for each one of us that as soon as he hears the same report that Jairus heard, he immediately turned to him and said, don't be afraid, only believe. So isn't it wonderful that he immediately instructed him to continue to have faith? You believe me before the delay that I was the one that could come save your daughter from this situation. And even though the enemy, the world system, and the negative report of people are saying that the party's over and she's dead and it's too late, he said, if you could believe me before you heard this negative report, we need to still go to that house in the same level of faith and believe that we're going to have the breakthrough you need. Now, the breakthrough you asked for was just a healing. What you need now is even greater, but I'm telling you that it doesn't matter whether the prize or the manifestation or the breakthrough, God bless you, is greater than what you initially thought you needed. The reality is, is whether it is the same thing when I get there as what you asked for, or it's something greater than you prayed for from the, um, in the first place, regardless of what it is, I still have the same power to give you victory over the circumstances. So Jesus says, I don't care whether the stakes have changed by the time I get there. I'm not concerned that it's just a simple healing or a job or a debt at the time you ask for it. Whatever time I decide to show up, I can handle it no matter what level it's at. Amen. So all you got to do is continue to retain the same level of faith you had in me at the first point that you came to me. Amen. Had the same level of faith. So he blocked him before doubt could even take root into his mind. You know, the Savior of man basically announced to Jairus that I am still the remedy to every problem that you can have. And the same way you came to me in faith and I spoke that I was going to come and deliver the situation. I'm speaking life into your circumstances right now. And I'm telling you that even though it may seem from the outward and from my emotions and my, your emotions and your perspectives that it is too late, I'm telling you to stay in the place of faith and I'm going to still give you the same thing I promise you and even a greater thing than I promise you once I get there. So that's great. And the question we have to ask ourselves is when Jesus tells you to retain your faith, Despite what you hear, how do you respond? Because the enemy is going to get in your ear. People that mean well are going to get in your ear. I mean, those servants, they were really trying to do the good thing. Let's not waste the master's time now. Have him come all the way here and find out that he's dead. They weren't trying to bring sorrow into the situation. They were just trying to say, look, Jesus is a busy man. You know, there's stuff that he could do. There's people he could bless. It's too late to come here, so... Don't waste your time. So they weren't being evil, but the reality is that the report was something that was still an evil report because it was trying to block the final blessing that Jesus Christ was trying to bring through. Amen? So we can't allow our fears, despair to get in the way of what Jesus is going to bring forth in our lives. And we see if we go further in this story that even with Jesus coming, and he said, him saying that I could still rectify the situation, that they went from giving a negative report to now laughing him to scorn. Can you imagine that? They laughed him to scorn. Man, you lost your mind. You're talking about you still coming to the house. That girl's dead. And he's sitting here talking about, oh, she's just sleeping. And you know, they're probably looking at Jesus is crazy. Man, you need to just come home and weep like the rest of us. Laughed him to scorn. And, and Jesus is like, no. Stand firm in your faith, 
only believe, and I'm going to give you this breakthrough. We see Jesus talking about his power and about the things that instill fear in us. Luke 12, 4 and 5 says, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. For, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So Jesus is saying the only thing you need to fear is not, as the world says, death itself. <laughs> Matter of fact, the world says, you know, there's only a couple of sh- sure things in life, death and taxes. Amen. But Jesus Christ is saying that we don't need to fear anything that man can do to us. We don't need to fear any negative reports, any discouraging words that people send our way. He said the only one you need to fear, amen, and the fear he's talking about is not fear like in dread and shivering and eternal damnation and destruction. Instead, he's talking about fear in terms of reverence, amen. Don't fear the negative report of what somebody is saying in your ears. Instead, have reverential fear of the one that despite what they're saying, even if they're giving the word and a report of death, don't fear what they're saying. Instead, give fear and reverence unto me because I'm the one that has the power over fear, hell, death, and the grave itself. Fear me. Reverence me. Give me more precedence in your thoughts. Amen? Rely on me instead of the negative report. Have confidence in me and what I'm saying to you as opposed to what they are saying to you. Amen? So it doesn't matter how things may seem to be delayed. It doesn't seem, matter whether it seems to be too late. You need to continue to trust in me and have confidence in what I'm saying to you in terms of your situation. Now we're going to look at the book of Philippians. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So he basically tells us, you know, there might be a lot of negative reports that come in. And... We know especially in this world system that people love negative reports. Amen? Coming at you from every angle. And it doesn't matter whether it's from the news, job reports, economy, um, TV shows, people at work, people at school, people in your family. We're just in a negative generation. Amen? You even saw this last week as we're going into you know, Super Bowl today that it started off early in the week with everybody talking about the two brothers, you know, opposing coaches in the Super Bowl. Wow. You know, and they're going to the parents and, and who are you cheering for? You know, trying to pull them like, 
come on, we're not going to cheer from, for any bro- either one of the brothers. We're going to just sit back and enjoy the ride and celebrate both of them. But it went from celebrating two brothers and two teams to, did this guy use deer antlers? <laughs> the whole week, a lot of focus went on the negativity over whether or not somebody used a banned substance you know, that got him to the place where maybe he's playing in the Super Bowl. Because people rather report on something negative over the fact that maybe somebody came out of a bad background in the, back, in, in, in the past times and now they're living a good life. And like I said, you know, two brothers going head to head and how wonderful that is. So it's a shame that there's so much negativity. But we just have to be careful that we don't allow the negativity that surrounds us on a daily basis as well as the negativity some of us may have in our own flesh and our emotions to take root in us and take us away from having confidence in God. And that's why this passage of Scripture tells us, think on the things that are true and lovely and of good report. In other words, think of all these noble and godly things instead of all the 10,000 horrible things that can happen to you because we're so creative that unfortunately we can create a lot of negative things that are going to occur out of our circumstances. We're very good at creating a lot of bad things in our minds, amen? And a lot of times the worst, I think um, either Pam or, or Kyle said it, I think Joyce Meyer talked about that before, that you think about all this negative stuff can happen and nine times out of ten when you get to the resolution of the situation, 90% of that stuff never even happened. But in your mind you sure played it out beforehand. Amen. So he basically tells us to keep our minds centered on good things and pure things and noble things. Amen. The things of God as opposed to what the world can do. Now, one of the things you'll see in our text scripture, the woman was healed. Jairus is now informed that it's too late. Uh, you, You didn't get here quick enough. The girl is dead. And don't waste your time. And we see that Jesus Christ said we can still do it. We can still provide the breakthrough. And this girl is going to rise about a sickness. Amen. Hallelujah. He wasn't even hearing the report of death because he had the mindset that I am the life. I am the light. I am the lamb and savior of this world. So he wasn't even hearing the negative report of death. But all the people around there were mocking him, you know, to scorn. They were laughing. They said, don't waste your time. And we see that one of the things that Jesus Christ did, it says that instead of taking everybody in with him, He only took in several of the disciples, and then once they got into the room, it said they basically put everybody out of the room. A lot of times when you've had to wait, times may come where you get a negative report, and people will try to discourage you from the dreams, the visions, the breakthroughs, the healings, whatever manifestations you're looking for from God. You know, people try to come and speak negative things into your circumstances. And the same way that Jesus Christ separated out a certain people that could stay on the same, you know, mindset as they went there to pray for this girl. And then once he got into the room, he even had to separate out and say, hey, if you're not here in a place of faith, you're in that crowd that's mocking or disbelieving and even weeping, you got to go. Sometimes we got to separate ourselves out from that too and say, either you're on the lane, the avenue of faith, and you're going to speak and pray faithfully, or I love you, but you got to step out the room, (laughs) out the situation, whatever I'm dealing with. Amen. So Jesus did not permit all of his followers in, and he also drove out the people that were not 
on the right mindset. And, and we have to ask ourselves, do we permit naysayers to continue to tag along, amen, or remain present in our circumstances, continue to feed us negativity, continue to speak against the promises of God as we're awaiting them, or do we, if necessary, isolate ourselves to only the chosen few that will stay on board with us as we're anticipating the blessings of God? You know, Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Look at that. We don't really think of ourselves as being evil unless we're doing some kind of sin or we're thinking on evil things that, you know, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, or I got a bad attitude. You know, we think of those things as evil, but here we see that we need to be careful that none of us takes on an evil heart of what? Unbelief. Unbelief is evil. Why? Because it's not trusting in the power of God, and a lot of times it's trusting in the power of the enemy over God. So he's telling us, don't allow yourself to let unbelief come into you because it turns your heart evil. Amen? Hallelujah. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it means you've allowed yourself to get tainted with some of the lies of the enemy. So we have to be very watchful over our own spirits, amen, to ensure that no one is, an enti- is enticing us or threatening us to waver in our faith in God. Jesus Christ, amen, in the book of Matthew, one of the things he said, uh, you can write it down, Matthew 17, 14 through 21. I'll just read it, actually. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you, howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So two of the things he criticized people for was being faithless, amen, allowing their faith to be stripped away from them. And he called them perverse. Perverse was not about any kind of corrupt thing that we would normally think about when we think about perversion. The perversion here was having the mindset in which you don't trust in the power of God and the promises of God, and you've allowed yourself to start thinking like the world system, murmuring, complaining, full of doom and despair, and not trusting in, in Jesus Christ to come through. So Jesus criticized them and said, how long do I have to suffer around this nonsense? You know, how long do I have to suffer with you not believing in the power of God? And he demonstrated, and he told them that it was because of their unbelief. He said, if you fully believe in the power of God, you would have cast out this devil. But because you allowed doubt and unbelief to come in, That was what hindered you in the situation. And he said, it doesn't take a lot of faith. It says if you have faith, and here's the thing, not faith 
as a mustard seed, but faith as a grain of a mustard seed. That's like a part of a mustard seed. Do you know how small a mustard seed is? It's very small. Amen. But it's very powerful and pungent. It has like a strong odor to it. And mustard, like you put that in the food a lot of times, it gives it that spicy hotness to it. Amen. And you plant a mustard seed in the ground. It's very, very tiny, but it grows into this huge plant. So he said, if you just have a little thing, it'll explode into something very, very large. And that's how our faith is. Amen. So we can't let situations and delays and like i said other people getting breakthroughs affect us and say oh he did it for them he doesn't care about me and oh woe is me no we need to continue to trust in god and continue to believe him with the same level as we did when we initially prayed to him amen holly and jesus christ will come through amen we're about to close and one of the things that really caught me about this is we see the interaction and the intersection of two people that had uh, experiences of faith with Jesus Christ where they both got tremendous breakthroughs. We see that they both came to him with humility. We see they both trusted him in what he said. And one of the things I like about Jairus is that, first of all, he had humbled himself before Jesus. And when he saw the delay in the process, he didn't sit there according to the word of God and yank on Jesus or complain and say, come on, man, what are you doing? Let's get here. I'm in a rush. You promised me. Why are you stopping for this woman? We don't see any kind of attitude in Jairus whatsoever in terms of how he interacted with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And one of the things I saw as I looked at this closely, the word Jairus means enlightener enlightener or in other words one who informs edifies instructs or clarifies to others once again gyrus means enlightener or one who informs edifies instructs or clarifies to others and I really believe his name is important in this story because we can all learn a great deal from the attitude that he exhibited in this story. This is a man who was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a big man at the synagogue. He was important. He was known around town. And he humbled himself by basically saying, forget all the fine robes and the background and how wonderful I am, and I'm all that in the back of chips, and hey, all I, got, I don't even have to go beg to Jesus. I can just go send somebody to Jesus Christ and say, hey, oh, the ruler Jairus needs you, and Jesus is supposed to jump and get over there. But we don't see any kind of attitude like that. We see Jesus, you know, Jairus, I'm sorry, humbling himself and throwing himself at his feet before a crowd. Help me, help me. My daughter's in need. And we see Jesus Christ on the way to his house. He's promised to give him the miracle. And here comes this woman that delays the process. But we don't see any complaint, any criticism, any like, what about me? We don't see after the report of death, Jesus, how do you allow this to happen? See, if you hadn't paused, you could have saved my daughter. You ruined the situation. Now my daughter's dead. We don't see any of that. And I believe that God truly used him to fulfill the very um, definition of his name. That as he humbled himself and he patiently waited and as Jesus turned to him and said, have faith and only believe and don't despair, and he continued to do it, I believe that through that, he actually taught the greatest lesson that he probably ever, ever taught from a spiritual perspective. Because this is a man that taught in the temple, but now he taught people that as I humble myself 
as I patiently wait, as I don't murmur and claim, complain as somebody else comes in line and butts and gets the blessing first, as I just sit back and patiently just wait and trust in the Lord, I still got not only the miracle I sought, but actually a greater miracle than what I sought. See, I thought too small. I asked Jesus, the Savior, to heal my daughter. He raised my daughter from the dead. That's an even greater miracle. So what that speaks to us is sometimes we're praying and patiently awaiting things. And sometimes we may not have seen the breakthrough yet. But are we going to be part of the murmuring, complaining crowd? Are we going to be part of the crowd that stops losing faith in God and starts like drooping our shoulders and I don't think my blessing is ever going to come? Or are we going to be like a gyrus? Oh, it hasn't come yet, but I'm trusting God. I have faith and I continue to believe. You know, I'm going to be like Jairus. I'm going to continue to be patient as I wait. Amen. I may see Jesus over here and moving over there, but I'm going to continue to be faithful and trusting in God. Something may break through in somebody else's life first, but I'm not going to murmur and complain. I'm going to continue to praise him and trust him despite, you know, even hearing even more terrible news before I finally get the breakthrough that I thought I needed. Amen. I'm going to continue to trust him and praise him. Amen. We're going to um, look at a few things um, from Psalms and, Pros- and Proverbs before we close. Psalm 119, 89-94. Lamed. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless the, thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine. Save me, for I have sought thy precepts. We see here, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what's going on. Your word, Lord, which is what I'm believing in and praying in faith about, your word is settled in heaven. So it doesn't matter what's going on in the lives of other people. It doesn't matter how many delays I'm experiencing. Your word is settled. It's proven. It's true. And it's going to come forth. And it says here, your faithfulness is under all generations. So you never change, Lord. Amen. You're going to bless me in my circumstances. And we see here that the mindset we need to have is that your law is my delight. I will never forget your precepts. And with them, that is how I am strengthened even while I'm in the waiting process. I'll still be empowered and strong in the midst of my waiting because I'm still allowing your word to feed and nurture me and guide and comfort me as I'm in that waiting process. You know, we see another thing. Proverbs seventeen twenty-two: A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bones. We have a choice. Are we going to allow our circumstances and our waiting to... Give us dry bones. We're just drying out from our circumstances. Or are we going to let the joy of the Lord be our strength and say, I'll have a merry heart. I'll find a way to find joy in my affliction and joy in my circumstances. We see here that the merry heart, amen, is the best medicine you can ever give yourself. You know, it brings healing to your soul, to your spirit, 
and even to your body. It nurtures you and heals you. Uh, medical science will even show you that if you allow a lot of worrying and frustrating, frustration and stuff to come in, it can have a negative impact on your body. And the Word of God, actually thousands of years before we had all this medical literature and medical evidence, God was saying it back to people thousands of years ago. A merry heart, amen, will keep you healthy and whole. <laughs> it's funny how they do all this clinical research only to come back and put out a medical report. Hey, if you're calm and peaceful and joyful, it has re- restorative properties to your body. God said that <laughs> thousands of years ago. <laughs> I had to pay you a copay to hear that. <laughs> and God's like, I said that for free <laughs> thousands of years ago. We'll do one final verse from Psalms 28, verses 7 through 9. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Praise the Lord. Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Amen. Hallelujah. This really says it all. You know, this, um, these last two, um, or last, last three lines here, you know, to continue to rejoice, to continue to praise him, to continue to trust in him because he is our help, he is our strength, he's our refuge. Amen. He's our tower of strength. He is our hope. He is our future. Amen. Hallelujah. Continue to trust in him. It's like I said, you know, all these things are going on as we're praying and believing God. Sometimes it may seem like there's a delay or it's happening everywhere else but us. Amen. It might be because God is, you know, at the accepted time of your life, your accepted time may be a bigger miracle and a testimony than you can even imagine. And you may be praying for one thing. But God's going to bring forth something even greater out of it. And just as Jairus was used, you know, in our, in our lives today to encourage us on how to wait and how to experience delays, you know, as we interact and intersect with the blessings and belief and the prayers and the breakthroughs that other people are experiencing, amen, God can also use us as people observe our lives and say, hey... Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Believe in God for greater things and greater miracles, even as we're in the waiting process. Hallelujah. Anybody needs prayer, feel free to come forward. I want to do a, um, a closing prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Just trust and believe God. Hallelujah. The God of the breakthrough, God of healing, deliverance, God of miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. To intersect and interact with our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just praise and thank you, Lord, for once again giving us the, the awesome privilege of coming into your sanctuary, Father, praising your glorious name and song. And we just thank you, Father, that, Holly, as we sang unto you, Father, and cast away our, our concerns, Father, that you received it as a sacrifice of praise. 
Father, that was pleasing unto your ears, that it put up a sweet fragrance in heavenly places, Father. And right now, we thank and praise you, Father, that you would just meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. We ask you to pour out your power, your strength, hallelujah, pour out your insight, your wisdom. Hallelujah. For those who are sick in their bodies, Father, we got a couple people that are dealing with ailments of the eyes. We thank you right now, Father, for touching them in their eyes. We come against uh, pink eye. We come against any other kind of uh, infections in the eyes right now. In the name of Jesus, ask you to touch them from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. We curse virus at its root, Father, that you would break, hallelujah, its grip upon your people's bodies. Break the hold of fever, Father. Just purge it out of people's systems, Lord. Hallelujah. We speak to uh, the bronchial passages, Father. Hallelujah. Uh, to clear up uh, the bronchial passages and nas- nasal areas, Father. Hallelujah. To break colds and allergies, Father. We thank and praise you, Father. Every trace of, of flu, hallelujah, will be destroyed in our bodies right now. Hallelujah. We praise and thank you, Father, for um, educational pursuits, Father, this week. I know uh, Nikki has something major going on with Nicholas, Lord. We ask you to bless hallelujah, him and her in that process right now, that uh, everything that they're uh, doing in terms of the forms would go through uh, clearly without any hindrances whatsoever, and that you would give them a quick hallelujah, confirmation that what they are pursuing would go forth. And we already speak in advance to academic excellence right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, we praise your father, uh, Colin Trey, with the, the various tests that they have to uh, pursue this week. Hallelujah, that you would give them divine favor and they would excel in everything that they're doing throughout the week, Father. Hallelujah, we thank you, Father, um, to continue to touch our households with divine protection. Surround your angels around our, our, first of all, us, mind, body, and spirit, Lord, with divine protection. Also protect our homes and all of our possessions right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father Pachette, that you give her safe traveling mercies home. Hallelujah. She would head back, Father, home, continue to touch her, um, her entire family, as well as her father. As she uh, came down to visit everything that uh, she needed to do, Father, we praise and thank you that it would be fulfilled. Hallelujah. She finishes her, her visit here, Lord. We thank you, Father, that uh, you would just go beyond her expectations, Father, continue to allow her to be tremendous blessing in the life of uh, her family, Lord. Hallelujah. Her parents, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for this. And right now, we praise your Father, Hallelujah. That um, once again, give her safe traveling mercies. We thank you, Father, that as it's supposed to snow, uh, I think it's Tuesday, Lord, give us safe traveling mercies, Father. Hallelujah, give us divine safety throughout the week. And even as the cold, uh, we're going between cold and warm weather, Father, insulate our bodies, Father, that hallelujah, the, the chaos and the ups and downs of the weather and the temperature ranges and the air pressures, Father, would not bring harm to our bodies, but you would keep us all healthy and strong. And we just thank you, Father, not only to bless us, but also enable us to be a blessing as we would go out and interact with people on a daily basis. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.